Hey, good morning, gasaholics. It's time for gas. The great American auto scene. Hey, I'm back, and we're back again on trying to be on a, a bit of a regular basis. You know, we hear the stories about, oh, I hate Chevy engines, Chevys are bored, I like Ford, I like Chrysler, I like Mopar, I like GM, I like... You know what? There's a reason the Chevrolet V8 engines have been as popular as they are. There's a reason that people keep gravitating to a Chevy engine. Now, I'm not saying that everyone needs to have a Chevy engine in their vehicle. Not by any means. Build what you want. Enjoy what you've got. Do it. Change it. Modify it. Don't modify it. Whatever you do, do it because you want it. Now, but let's look at why the Chevrolet V8 engine has become as popular in hot rodding as it is. Well, first off, let's look at the competition. Chrysler and Ford. Those are the basic competition. I mean, Studebaker had V8s. Yeah, okay, nobody gravitated to them. You didn't see any performance versions except their own. Take a look at Cadillac. They were pretty powerful back in the early days, but how many hot rods have Cadillacs? Very few. A few people have, no question about it. But why is the Chevy so popular? Well, it's cost-effective. It's easy to work on. Not that a Ford small block isn't easy to work on as well, but let's look at some of the differences. Chevrolet small block from 1955 through, well, even today with the old style, first generation style block. Many, many parts are interchangeable. It's very easy to swap an intake manifold from a 265 to a 350. You can take the crank out of a 400 and put it in a 350. The blocks are basically the same. Now, 55 and 56 and 57 were not side mount engines. They were only front mount. Now, those mount holes stayed in later production for accessory mounts. But it's still the same basic engine. And it's that way all the way through the production of the Chevy small block until the LS engines. And now, even the LS engines have caught on quite rapidly for about the same reason, and that's their interchangeability and consistency in production. Let's look at Ford as an example, the major supplier of fast cars, really, you know, Le Mans and, uh, and all sorts of other NASCAR, drag racing. Fords are popular, no question about it. But the cost of doing a Ford or the cost of doing a Chrysler is exponentially higher. And here's the reason why. The Chevrolet small block has the interchangeability, as I said earlier, from 1955 through today, for the most part, with that small block configuration. But let's look at Ford. And I started that way and I got sidetracked, but let's look at Ford. In the early days, Ford had the flathead. Interchangeability? Yep, pretty much, except the early ones had less cylinder head studs. So let's throw those out. Well, then they changed the water pumps. Well, they changed the mounting location of the water pumps. Okay, so we got to throw that flathead out. You no longer have interchangeability there. The later flatheads, well, they went to a distributor mounted where you could actually work on it on the top. Okay, so that's 49 to 53. That means you can't use those parts on the earlier ones. So the cylinder heads don't match. Cam, it's, it, yeah, the interchangeability is not there. All right, let's look at the Y block. 
Ford came out with the Y-Block in 1954. What's the interchangeability? Very limited. The Ford Y-Block had sizes ranging from 239 cubic inches all the way up to 312, 3, you know, are there any interchangeability there? Yeah, a little bit. But how long did they build that engine? 1954 through the early 60s. After that, well, you got the FE motors. All right, some great interchangeability there. Not really. There is some, no question about that. But again, that engine didn't last all that long. It came in in 1958, was in different sizes in both Christ, uh, Ford and Mercury products. There were different sizes for Lincoln. There was a different size in the Mercury's. There was a different size in the Ford's. There was a different size for Ford trucks. Were they interchangeable? Not really. Okay, so the cost of building parts, speed parts, mechanical parts, tends to be a little bit higher. Oh, America, you say I'm cutting out? Hmm. Well, we'll have to work on that. Could be the uh, internet connections. All right, so Ford interchangeability, well, it's, it's not there. Now, you go from the small block 221 through the 302. Interchangeability? Yeah, somewhat. But that engine went away. Now, they started it in 1962, 61, late 61, early 62, with the 221 cubic inch engine. They, entered, they uh, enlarged it, 260, then 289, then 302, and then 351. But those Windsor motors are not all interchangeable. Now, there are some pieces that work, but a lot of pieces don't. And again, there you go to the aftermarket. What are they going to build for? Which engine? Well, there's uniqueness there. They can't build as many easy parts as they did before. All right, Terry, how you doing? So that has limited and raised the cost of building that Ford engine because of that. Now, the same thing happens with the mod motors or the overhead cam motors. Depending on which plant you got the motor from, the parts aren't interchangeable. There's the difference. You've got to figure out what that is. Now, let's look at Chrysler. Chrysler's V8 engine, starting out with the early Hemis, well, they were different based on the model, based on the brand. DeSoto had a different Hemi than a Chrysler. Chrysler had a different Hemi than the Dodge. Plymouth didn't get a Hemi until the 60s. But they got a polysphere, and I'm told the block is somewhat interchangeable with the Hemi. But again, the interchangeability of parts on that motor is limited. 392 is a 392, but it's not a 361. And it's not the Little Red Ram. And it's, well, there's so many variations of that Hemi. Chrysler guys got a little confused as to, you know, they want a brand identity. Now let's look at all the other GM products, for example. Up until they came up with the corporate motors, which ended up being the Chevrolet motors, there was no interchangeability between Pontiac, Oldsmobile, and Cadillac. There is no interchangeability between those and Chevrolet until the small block became the corporate engine. The North Star V8 engine and the Cadillac and somewhat used in the Oldsmobile isn't interchangeable with anything from any other brand. Pontiac didn't get that engine. Chevy didn't get that engine. The Chevrolet V8 ZL1 or ZR1, double overhead cam motor. That's not interchangeable with anything else from GM. Where is it? It's gone. 
Now, Merck Marine does have the rights to produce that motor as a boat motor. Maybe that's where it belongs. But it did do well in the Corvettes, but it was only in the Corvette. Now, the fuel injection system on the Corvettes, let's look at that. The early fuel injection. I'm talking about the Rochester fuel injection back from the 1957 era. In different configurations, that was used on full-size Chevrolets as well. Very rare, but you could get it as an option on a 59 Chevy, for example. You just had to know which box to check off. Was it exactly the same? No. The plenum was different. Pontiac had a fuel-injected version. Mm, didn't share anything with the Chevrolet, but neither did the engine. Now, in Canada, Pontiacs had Chevy engines. Why? Cost. Interchangeability. Your local Chevy dealer could service a Pontiac. They had them. They did them. So why is the Chevy so popular? Cost. The cost of doing a Chevrolet engine is significantly less than doing a Mopar or a Ford. Now, I only talked about the Hemi Mopars, but let's talk about the big blocks. Well, there's the RV blocks, and there's the not the RV blocks. Raised block. Are the parts interchangeable? Yeah, minimally. 440, 383, 413, 361. There was even a Mopar 350 in 1957. It's not interchangeable with anything. The 273 that came out in the Barracuda. Unique. Only in the Barracuda. Or the Valiant. Or the early Dodge Darts. Not the early, early Dodge Darts. The compact Dodge Dart. And for those of you not familiar with that, hi, Steve, how you doing? Steve Jarvis, my cousin, is listening in right now. The first Dodge Darts were full-size Dodges stripped down and basically great for racing or business purposes. They were light duty. They were light vehicles. They had no accessories. They were very lightweight. The later Dodge Dart, beginning in 1963, was the compact, and that shared a lot of commonality with the Plymouth Valiant of the time. Now, the first compact from Dodge was the Lancer. The Dart came in later and became more successful than the Lancer. Something about the name, the dart just struck a chord that the Lancer did not. But the 273 was unique to the Valiant, the dart, the Barracuda. It didn't share much with the others. There was another 273, but it was different altogether. Then there was the 318. It didn't share anything with the 273. And there was the polysphere motors, and there was the, just the regular wedge motors, and then there was the, well, you see what I mean? Chevrolet was consistent. The small block Chevy was pretty consistent from 1955 even to today. The crate motors you buy. There's some different cylinder head designs, but the basic architecture of the block is interchangeable and available to just about everybody. Piston sizes, crankshafts, readily available. So why did the aftermarket gravitate? Less tooling costs. Why did the hot rodding community gravitate? Less costs of operation. More plentiful. I've got a Chevy in my Plymouth. Yeah, I do. Now, Valley Head Service and, and Larry O'Freya did help me make it look more Mopar. And if you've seen my car, you know how, they, how we did that. Uh, I got a Corvette engine in our 56 Chevy. Well, with a couple of mount changes, it bolted right in. That's the interchangeability. So I've got a 350 in our 56 Chevy. Goes down the road just great. Fuel injected? Yeah. Tune port, as a matter of fact. 
and it is quite a bit used in a lot of vehicles. And uh, we've got a comment from that from Corey Weaver. You're right, Corey, and I've got one in my 56 Chevy as well. 25 miles per gallon on the highway with a 700R overdrive transmission, and it pollutes a whole lot less than the original 265 did. But again, I'll bring this up, and some of you may know it, may not. The 265 V8 was not Chevrolet's first V8 engine. Go back to 1917. The Chevrolet brothers introduced their first V8 engine, 288 cubic inches. Has nothing in common with any other Chevrolet engine. The engine was only produced from 1917 through early 1919. But after Je Chevrolet became part of General Motors, they didn't want anything to do with the V8 engine and the Chevrolets. So we waited till 1955 for Chevrolet to reintroduce a V8 engine, and a successful V8 engine it was. I'm Hot Rod Bob. You've got gas, the morning edition. A little small block Chevy trivia and talk. And why is the small block Chevy as popular as it is? You guys have a great day. I'm going to go head out and work on my trailer today. You keep it rubber side down and shiny side up. And you've got gas, the morning edition. Have a great day.